Getting Black and White Photography. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by our Patreon patrons. Help support Mac Voices and gain access to the Mac Voices Slack and Mac Voices After Dark at patreon.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, we're going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to be educated, I hope, and I hope you'll come along and be educated with me in the area of photography, specifically black and white photography. I'm happy to have back with us Kirk McElhern. Kirk, welcome. It's great to have you back. Chuck, hi. How you doing? Haven't seen you in months. It's terrible, yes. I don't know where the time goes. It, it just... It just seems to be the nature of the world at the moment that time slips well, by so fast. You know, September, October is all the new Apple stuff, and then it's Christmas, and then, you know, we're already into the next year, and it goes quickly. It does. It does. So I want you to educate me. Um, on a recent edition of the Photoactive podcast, the one that you do with Jeff Carlson, uh, you were talking to someone, and you made a statement that really struck me. Um, you said that you really have to get black and white photography. And I confess that I don't get black and white photography for the most part. I, it's, it's fine. I look at it. It's, you know, and of course, Ansel Adams seems to be the poster child for black and white photography. And, and I look at his stuff. Yeah. And it's great, but I can't help but think to my eye, gee, I wonder what the colors were like. And you've talked so much on photoactive and other places about black and white photography. I'm hoping you can help me get black and white photography so that I can really understand and appreciate it a little more. Do you have a camera? I don't mean the one in your pocket. I mean, do you have a camera camera? I have a camera camera, yes. What kind? Um, it's a uh, Sony um, Lumix. Okay, so do you ever put it into the mode where you can shoot monochrome or black and white? Have you ever tried that? I can't say that I have, no. Okay, well, that, your homework for tonight is to check that out. Um, black, black and white photography is interesting. So a quick discussion of the history of photography. When photography started in the mid-19th century, it was only black and white. Color film was only developed around the 1930s and really only marketed after the war. So the history of photography is built around black and white photography. Um, if we're talking film... Uh, there's a, it's a different chemical process and there's little grains and the grains capture light and the light sets them off and it gets developed and that makes dark or light. So it makes a series of gradations from black to white. Uh, black and white photography technically isn't black and white, it's monochrome because it's not just those two colors, but it's the whole range of grays in between. So the history of photography is built on black and white photography. You look at the the earliest sort of you mentioned Ansel Adams. That's a lot later. You look at the French photographer Eugène Adjet, who took these pictures in Paris um, in, in the, I think, 1920s, 30s, even before then. They're all in black and white. Actually, they're sepia-toned, which was uh, initially because the paper got older and then it became a technique, et cetera. But they're still monochromatic images. You go through World War II, and everything we see is monochromatic. And in fact, there's there's a new trend now to show us old films of World War II colorized, right? Um, you can see these videos. You see them on Netflix and things like that. Move forward into the 50s, and color is starting to come around, but it wasn't used a lot. It wasn't used. Magazines and newspapers were all in black and white. Um, it was too expensive to print in color. So it 
slowly took off, and it took off uh, initially for home use, for portraits, for you know, professional photographs. Um, but black and white was still where photography was until you kind of get into the 60s, and cameras, film, and all that became a lot less expensive. And all of a sudden, people were seeing that photos could be in color, that they could reproduce the colors that we see. But you have this weight of photographic history in black and white, which does two things. One is it shows the power of black and white photos. If color photos were invented first, we probably wouldn't have black and white, right? You'd think something's being lost. But also, over time, if you look at historical documents, they're black and white. There's, there's a weight of black and white photography that suggests history. Thinking Robert Kappa's photos of World War II, you know, these classic war pictures, they're all black and white. And you don't feel anything less when you see the photo. But what you feel is that there is a sort of um, a semiotics of black and white that says this is old, historical, canonical, etc. So when we look at black and white photos today, when you look at them, you don't think of them necessarily as, well, this is a photo that's artistic. Now, curiously, uh, after color photos became common, it took a long time for the art world to accept color photography. It wasn't until the early 1970s. Um, there was a famous uh, exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in New York that welcomed some color photographers. But up until then, art photography was always in black and white. And this goes back to you know the 30s and the 40s since it was established as an art in the United States. So all of that to say there are reasons why people no black and white photography. There are reasons why people know color. When you were a kid, you had Kodachrome, and there was even a great song about Kodachrome. It was so popular. You'd get photos at the beach or at a barbecue and family photos, and they'd be this, you know, this sort of mythical color because Kodachrome colors didn't last very long. They faded, but they 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 kind of got warmer and rounder over time. So for us growing up, we're on the cusp of the black and white color era. And it's harder for us to think of photographs in black and white making sense. You used a phrase in there. This is why I love talking to you, because you can tell you're a writer, because you come up with phrases that really, really hit me in the stomach. Um, the weight of history. That that really says a lot about, I guess, the way that I look at black and white photography. And it's because I've... I really haven't had much choice. Like you said, the colorization has really not started and and happened until recently. Um, but I, I never, I, I, well, you just gave me homework, which was something I did not anticipate here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I never, I would never have thought. Now, I have taken photos and applied black and white filters to them or something like that. Okay. And it's like, yeah, okay, they're black and white and or monochrome is probably a more accurate statement yeah. Yeah, yeah. um they're monochrome and yeah okay but i think i like the color better is am i just a product of my generation or is is there a way i can develop my eye for for monochrome well yes you're a product of your generation um you're not particularly interested in photography so you're not really exposed to a lot of black and white uh, if you were to look in, you know, a photography magazine or a photography website, you'd see a lot of black and white in addition to color. I'd say two thirds, three quarters color, one third, one quarter black and white. So black and white is still a vibrant type of photography. You may have seen a number of black and white photos coming out of Ukraine because black and white 
captures something very different. There's a quote that I love, um, and it really, and I remember this from 20 years ago, um, the French filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard was interviewed in, in the film festival in Cannes in 2001, and he had just released a new film, First in 10 Years, and it was mostly in black and white and part in color. And someone asked him, why did you shoot in black and white? And he said, because life is in color, but reality is in black and white. And I, I will tell you a secret, color doesn't exist. Um, we're actually going to have a photoactive exhibit soon with someone who's going to explain why color doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. I'm looking at my desk. It's brown. I've got my mixer on. It's got little green things moving around. These are all just wavelengths that we interpret as color, but color doesn't exist in the world. Now, that's not a reason to, to not use color photography. We see something, but it doesn't exist. Um, it's not that it's artificial, it's that our brain is doing something. There is no inherent color. It's just the reflected wavelengths of, of different types of material. But So to me, my love of black and white photography comes because the first photography I did was film photography. I was in high school. I was about 14 years old. So this is um, mid-70s. And you had to do a shop class. So what are the options? Well, there's auto shop and there's all the big burly guys who want to take the engine apart and stuff. Not my thing. And then there's wood shop and there's all these guys who want to hammer and saw and all. Not my thing. And they had a Photoshop class. Photoshop, not Photoshop, the, the software. So they lent us cameras. We had film. We developed. We enlarged, et cetera. That was my first experience actually doing the whole thing myself. And over the years, I've just I've I like photography as an art. I've seen a lot of photographs. I have a a, a a growing collection of photo books. I have a couple hundred photo books. I buy photo books regularly, and I like black and white because I like I like what it shows that's not there. There's there's things the color district. I, I interviewed a um, a black and white photographer named Michael Kenna um, recently, and he was saying that he shoots black and white. He's always shot black and white because color distracts you. Black and white, you're in a different mindset. You're looking at the shapes and the shadows and the angles, and you're not looking whether something's red or blue or green. It's it's more abstract, but at the same time. It's more, I find it easy to immerse myself in black and white because the world is in color. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by our Patreon sponsors. Support Mac Voices at any level and gain access to the Mac Voices Slack, where you can interact with the Mac Voices live crew, participate in our discussions, and get your questions answered. You also get access to Mac Voices After Dark, the uncensored, unscripted, and always enjoyable discussions before and after the Mac Voices live show. Sign up at patreon.com slash macvoices, and thanks for supporting Mac Voices. I, if I remember correctly, though, in the in that episode or in a subsequent episode, you talked about um, you, you were going to go out and do some shooting in, in monochrome. Specifically, you were. It was not going to be a case of you know bringing it in and then passing it through a filter of some kind. But you were shooting in monochrome. Yes, and, I bought a midlife crisis camera about six months ago. <laughs> a midlife um, crisis camera. Let, let, me, let me show you. Let me show it to you. Okay. Don't think we've ever had a midlife crisis camera yeah. on the uh, on the show before. So this is a Leica Q2 monochrome. 
Um, it is a monochrome camera. Everything is in black and white. So if I turn it on, you'll see, looking at the viewfinder, you'll see it's in black and white. Uh, the way a color camera works, the sensor in a color camera has to interpret light, and there are three different color filters, red, blue, green. So essentially what happens is every bit of light, the sensor says, well, this is green, so all these pixels around here are going to be green because it has the three different colors, sort of an array of the different pixels. A monochrome sensor is just luminosity, so every pixel is used. With a color sensor, you're actually interpolating pixels in between. So this is a 47-megapixel camera, which is already a lot, but it's probably the equivalent of a 60- or 70-megapixel color camera because of the loss in detail of that color filter. So this makes photos with detail that you can't get from another camera without getting like, you know, a hundred megapixel or something like that. Um, the advantage of this is it's, uh, there are a lot of cameras you can just put it in monochrome mode. And if it's a mirrorless camera, you'll see it in black and white through the viewfinder. But the advantage here is that you're not altering a color picture into black and white into monochrome. You're actually taking the picture in monochrome. And you may notice, you can see the color there. I have a orange filter on the front of the camera. Right. So when you're shooting with film, with black and white film, uh, people tend to use red, orange, or yellow filters because they alter the contrast of what they're taking pictures of. A red filter will make the blue sky darker, for example. The orange is sort of in between. Now, you can see this in photo editing apps um, where you have sliders for the different color channels, and it's kind of a similar process. Um, but with film or with this kind of camera, you can do this to heighten the contrast when you're shooting if you know what you're going to be shooting. So, so anyway, the point of this is it, it's a different process. It's not only is it just monochrome, but again, you can see that in other types of cameras. But it's got a sensor that is that's got a level of detail that means that I can crop in so much on a photo and still have something that's really, really sharp. Uh, black and white monochrome sensors have a better light sensitivity, so they're better in low light than color cameras. There's a lot less noise from them. There are a whole bunch of reasons why they're better. I'll, I'll leave it to you and other listeners to, to look them up if they want. Um, but yes, this is something I'd wanted for a long time, uh, like a probably makes the best cameras in the world, and their lenses are particularly um, extraordinary. And I decided that, you know, we were in the pandemic. I wasn't spending money on the theater that's five miles away there in Stratford-upon-Avon. So I figured, why not? Okay. Well, that's that's good. I mean, if it makes you happy. I, I, I am intrigued. I, I, you got into it there a little bit. Um, the idea that taking uh, monochrome is... It gives you a sharper, sharper image. I guess would be the the way to say it. And I I will acknowledge that that certainly um, because they're so stark that uh, no, they're not always stark. No, well, that's, again, yeah. you won't see this in a monochrome image that you've converted from color. It's the difference of the sensor. There's only a couple cameras in the world that have monochrome sensors. Leica makes two, um, Phase One makes one, and there's some expensive cinema cameras. But it's it's a question. It's a level of detail and sharpness that you just can't get um, on on other cameras. But even that's beside the point because you can take 
great black and white photos with other cameras. I have a Fujifilm X-E4. It's 24 megapixels. It's not sharp. It's not, you know, a huge, uh, it doesn't give me a lot of leeway. It can take fine black and white photos, but there is a difference that I feel in these photos when I'm editing them, that I can do more to them, that I want to do more to them. Uh, previously, I didn't spend a lot of time editing photos. And now I'm, you kind of, you're painting with light when you're working with something like this. You're, you're not dealing with the colors. You're dealing with, again, the, the shapes, the shadows, the gradations. I, I particularly like black and white photography that can, can almost seem abstract. I mean, you can have portraits in black and white, very common, and that's one thing. But I really like the kind of thing where you find some angles and shadows and, and lights and, and, and you make an abstract composition, something that doesn't often come through in color as well. Okay, so you, I know you, this is a tough one. You, you've you've got a there's a step to take here. Well, that, and that's I, I want to try to take that step, and that's why I wanted to have this conversation. Um, but you you mentioned that you are editing black and white photos more than you ever did any of your other photos. Yeah. I find that particularly intriguing, simply because to and I'm probably being very naive, Kirk, but to my way of thinking, there's less for you to do because you don't have all the color grading and the tweaking and all that. that uh, but see, the point is, what you're doing is you're you're painting with light. So you you have um, I use Capture One to edit, and you have a number of possibilities, um, highlights and shadows and blacks and whites and and things like that. So you can adjust different gradations. I use the curves to to get the contrast uh, adjusted. Then I'm using brushes to to, to dodge and burn. So dodging and burning, these are two terms that come from the darkroom. When you dodge, picture an enlarger, the light's coming down onto a, a piece of paper. When you dodge, you're holding something over it in areas to make it less dark. You're blocking the light temporarily. When you burn, let's say you put a um, piece of cardboard with a hole in it, then the area where the light goes through the hole is going to get more light and it's going to expose more. So with dodging and burning, you can creatively adjust the areas of your photo in terms of lightness and darkness. And while you can do this with color, um, it's a lot more it's a lot more interesting with black and white because all you have is luminosity. All you have is pixels ranging from black to white with however many, you know, thousands of gradations. Okay. So, so well, I, I I realize I'm being simplistic about it, but aren't we talking about just changing the contrast? Um, or I mean, I'm no, sure it's. it's, a, more it's than that. I was going to say it's, it's got to be a lot more subtle than that. But yeah. is that is that sort of the the gross version of what you're talking about? No, it's a lot more than that. It's 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 the kind of work that uh, uh, an experienced printer would be doing in the darkroom. There's a lot going on. You know, if you. If you see how someone works in the darkroom, uh, particularly with black and white, there's a lot of work that they're doing to get everything just the way they want it. You know, a photographer, a, a, a photographer who's making prints to sell, right, will go through a number of iterations to find the way he wants to do it. And then they'll keep a record. Well, I dodged over here for a few seconds. I burned over there. And they'll you know, they'll calculate exactly what they want. Cause obviously it's not like on the screen, there's no undo when you're working with prints. So it's a, it's a very subtle process and you can do this with color photos, but I think people do it a lot less because 
changing the luminosity also alters the colors a bit, right? The color is going to be more or less saturated if there's more or less light. So um, you don't, you'll see it sometimes with color photography, but not to the same extent. I'm talking in the darkroom, obviously on the computer, you can do it very easily with color photography. Kirk is back in the next edition of Mac Voices to continue my education and hopefully yours about black and white or monochrome photography. Next time, Kirk shows us some examples that really drive home some of the concepts he's been trying to explain to us and also talks a little bit about how you can get involved and explore black and white photography as well. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.